Hi friends, it's been a while, hasn't it? We took our time to pause and reflect very seriously. But now we are refreshed, recharged and excited to bring you stories of hope, change and gratitude. If you've been tuning in each week for our first season, welcome back. And if you're listening to this voice for the first time, we hope you find reasons to stay. Let's dive right into our second season as we continue to picture a world we can help create together. It has been encouraging to see the conversation around mental health and well-being becoming more prominent. Today, we're speaking with Akanksha Chandele, who founded I Am Wellbeing to nurture positive trauma-informed care in a group often left out of this conversation. The children in need of care and protection regardless of the 5Ws and 1H of their circumstances. I Am Wellbeing is helping create a compassionate and trauma-sensitive ecosystem. And in doing so, their team believes that every child deserves access to protective factors. To widen this impact, I Am Wellbeing has honed a multidisciplinary and dynamic team of counsellors, clinical psychologists, trainers and professionals from allied sciences. So let's hear more. I think uh, I Am Wellbeing came out of this uh, need of mine to actually work for uh, children who are from extremely disadvantaged communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, my early experiences in working in the mental health field, I was exposed to a lot of these kids who were, um, you know, living on the street, living in childcare institutions and other such setups. That's where I kind of just developed the interest of working with these kids. However, as I started progressing in my career, I realized that somewhere the intervention is not enough. Somewhere the kind of support that these kids who've been through so much require is not enough. And that just that idea, I think, enough at that time was something that led for me to build I Am. And mm-hmm. everything that happened, of course, was over years of working together with a lot of people. But the beginning is sort of that. In your journey so far, in uh, the years that you've been with I Am Wellbeing and, and also how you've grown, what kind of a role are you playing in making sure that the children who come from adverse backgrounds are being nurtured and their mental health is being nurtured? So I think in that journey, what we are doing is, one is it's very important for us to understand that one when one goes through childhood uh, trauma and adverse experiences, mm-hmm. it actually... Um, it, it changes the way their brain is wired, you know, mm-hmm. to put it in a simple way as human beings, we are wired, we are supposed to be wired for connection, but these experiences kind of wire us for protection. What that mm-hmm. means is being constantly, you know, on guard, being constantly um, non-trusting of other people, constantly mm-hmm. trying to, you know, sort of escape from situations and, So that's where it starts. And uh, so the first thing that we do and the first thing that should be done in this case is to sort of provide healing to that which has, you know, which has in a way altered the way that they should have been developing in the first place. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we provide intensive training to sort of um, heal them from these wounds early on that they have gone through. That's one. The other thing that we are trying to do is to create an ecosystem Mm -hmm. wherein the adults around these children are able to understand that it's not the anger, it's not the faulty behavior, so-called. It's actually hurt. It's actually a lot of pain that's behind all of this anger. Mm -hmm. So for that, of course, we are trying to create that kind of awareness for uh, 
in caregivers, in social workers, in educators to be able to understand what trauma-informed care is. Mm-hmm. What is it that the child has gone through? What are they experiencing? And how can we create that ecosystem that is more nurturing? So in doing so and in, and in providing this trauma-informed care, what kind of barriers have you faced so far? Uh, let's let's not call it barriers. The kind of um, situations which have made you really want to push this further and push this harder, try and raise the awareness as fast as possible. I think, uh, like I said, one of the biggest things is that we see the behavior, we see what's going wrong and we try to address that. Like we see a child getting angry and stealing and running away and hitting other children. Mm -hmm. But we are unable to see as to why, why is that child doing that? Hmm. And that can actually be explained through the awareness of trauma, through the awareness of how adverse childhood experiences shape these children in a way that 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 is their go-to response. They will mm-hmm. not be trusting adults, so they will fight back or mm-hmm. they would want to run away. Um, that being one, that lack of awareness, so to speak, mm-hmm. while the intent is there to support these children. The other is lack of training. Um, I think even in educational institutions that teach working with children and that teach psychology, Mm -hmm. there is still a gap of we are not studying about trauma. We are not studying about what causes that anger outburst, what causes that conduct issue. And uh, so I think that's one of the biggest, so to say, reasons for us to kind of push even further that, you know, you Mm -hmm. have to understand what, what is going on behind all of that anger. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's very important. And something that we'd also spoken earlier is that children are often left out of this conversation. And I mean, it's great that the conversation on mental health is becoming more prominent, but I think it's not as inclusive as it can be. It's good to know that there are practices and there are ways and there are protective factors which can help children be not only nurture, but also guide them in this process and create that ecosystem with them. So in I, I know that um, there is some uh, great research that's being done around providing trauma-informed care and, and your work is also grounded based on this. So could you talk a little bit more about the importance of research to evolve even further and how it has uh, guided your work? Right. There is. In fact, um, adverse childhood experiences, I think that term and that research is one of the biggest studies of how childhood um, trauma and adverse experiences um, have an impact, have a long-term, even lifelong impact on people who have gone through that. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that is, I think the term was coined back in 95 and we are still kind of getting used to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that research itself says that, you know, adverse experiences like abuse, neglect, household dysfunction, domestic violence, all of Mm -hmm. these and more, they can actually be numbered as Mm. each adverse childhood experience. And the higher the number, the greater is the impact. So a child having four or more adverse childhood experiences has maybe 11 times more likelihood of getting into substance use and abuse, um, have underage sex, uh, to indulge in more violent behavior and uh, subsequently, uh, you know, criminal behavior and maybe mm-hmm. ideas of self-harm and all of those things. Um, not just that, the research also showed us that it can have very strong uh, physical health, um, you know, 
physical health issues yeah and uh, the likelihood of developing heart diseases lung diseases it it increases many fold mm. uh, to an extent that a greater number of um, acs can actually reduce your lifespan up to 20 years um, and this is all research and when you look at it i think um, acs is the term that said that you know adverse childhood experiences and childhood trauma is like a hidden epidemic that the entire world is suffering from yeah but um, but yeah so that's largely what we've based our uh, interventions on as well mm-hmm. and uh, of course hoping that it's something best practices that are going on outside uh, that we can see and adapt to our indian cultural uh, context i yeah. think is something which we also want to work towards great and and i know that this uh, this is just something that i often think about and i also wonder that if we were able to bring all this research to light and make it just more accessible you know in terms of sharing and in terms of informing because right now research and also the research community they are quite protective of what they're doing and they are very uh, while it's all very good work how do you think research especially in the context that we are talking about today can be made more accessible and more shareable so that this message that we want to or we want our listeners to take away can be amplified further i think um so I, this is just uh, you know my idea around it but mm. uh, just the way mental health has it's it's taken off i think this pandemic has suddenly put a lot of light on yeah. uh, mental wellbeing um one is something similar that people start actually talking about it but mm. the other would really be relevant if it's included in the academics i think yeah. uh, all all subjects that talk about human development that talk about working with human beings they should know of the concept of trauma informed care of looking at things through trauma mm. because um, like this is something i strongly believe in that it's not a uh, complete healthcare if it's not trauma informed mm. so wherever you're working with humans it has to have that lens so maybe academics would have a large role to play in this if it's included over there and this is just something that you know i can mm. sort of think of. But, yeah. i think i i think that's a good start i think that's a very good start and now that our education policies also evolving and changing as per the development i think this should definitely be considered we have reached the level where you know we are talking about high order skills and uh, capacities so hopefully in the next few years we'll have trauma informed care also we often talk about the importance of pausing and thinking now just pause to think about your childhood experiences how do they make you feel each one of us will have different flashes of memories but what is important to note here is that they make us feel something they trigger an involuntary emotion now what might that look like for someone who has been exposed to adverse experiences while growing up doesn't it become all the more important to build an ecosystem of care for them early on in their childhood you know a safe space that helps in mitigating the impact of traumatic events
in all this work that you have been doing i know and i've seen that you have uh, a dedicated passionate team of um, individuals what are some of the wins that you have celebrated together and uh, you know something that brings a smile to your face something that you like sharing with everyone and that that really motivates you to keep doing more and pushing forward i think uh when you talk about wins i think this year is probably the first thing that comes to my mind okay. and um, the kind of um, so we've done a lot of crisis intervention this year mm-hmm. because of course the situation demanded it but the way i think the team showed up and uh, we just went in and everybody knew that okay fine you know this is a crisis and we have to provide that kind of support mm-hmm. on the ground i think it started with uh, when so the delhi experienced um, riots in the beginning of this year yeah. and uh, immediately after that i think our team was there going from house to house talking to the people who were hiding inside their homes you know not wanting to come out or talking mm-hmm. to the children at the camps that were set up encouraging them working with them through this trauma that they had just experienced mm-hmm. and uh, sort of hoping to helping them process all of it and go back to their lives and try to rebuild their lives so um i think that and then of course uh, working with uh, covid response i think sitting in delhi we were able to train over 850 counselors across india oh, wow. um to provide crisis intervention to people in the beginning to migrant population um to navigate them help them navigate them through finding basic resources to calming them down grounding them down helping how they can reach to the next transport place reach to the next food camp um i think training them and sort of being able to be there for over 30000 families yeah. i think that's a big win for us to just and how everybody sort of came together irrespective of who's a psychologist you clinical or a counseling where yeah. are you working how many years of experience you have everybody was like okay fine we're going to get trained in crisis intervention and we're yeah. going to provide that support so that i think for our team to hold that to build that for so many months i think is a is a great win that we really uh feel grateful for and of course admire and celebrate within the team that's great i think you guys are doing a fantastic job and this is something that i had spoken with maitri also even she had said the same thing that you know this pandemic has really brought to light a lot of these buried and stigmatized uh, issues around mental yeah. health and uh, in a way it's good i think mental health is getting the attention that it rightly deserves and uh, hopefully after this episode we are able to talk a little further and more about trauma informed care for children based on um, based on your journey so far and uh, you know with all these wins and and this great work that you've done and um, the stakeholders that you've been able to reach and really empower in this in this vision that you have what have your biggest learnings been they don't have to be big big but just mm-hmm. some learnings that you really internalize and uh, your team has been able to internalize yeah there are so many but i think the <laughs> biggest learning and holding factor has been like i said you know with so many people coming together it's there's mm. a lot of hope mm. and um, for us i think it's also been that being able to provide that kind of quality care despite being so distanced 
Right. I think the whole online adaptation of our entire program and all of our programs that we've been able to transfer them into an online medium, we've realized that location is no longer a limitation. Hmm. And now we are being able to sort of provide support as far as Assam or, you know, or as remote as uh, people living in slums. And we are supporting children who could have otherwise been cut off. They would not yeah. be able to go to school. They don't have devices to attend online classes. And uh, I think that's been one of our biggest um, shifts in our perspectives. And it's a learning that, okay, this is also possible. And it's it just increases the impact and the outreach we're trying to uh, go forward with. So I think, yeah, that's that's been a great learning for us this time. This is something that's come up in every conversation that technology has really, really taken down all barriers and um, unleashed all these unseen possibilities so it's good to know that every sector is experiencing that uh, you know benefit another um, i think another learning sorry i just realized yeah, is yeah. that as the mental health conversation is growing mm-hmm. um we've understood that a lot of people are wanting to address so there are a lot of young organizations young professionals who are coming up and you know going out there and saying we can support yeah. but uh the flip side of that is uh, a lot of non-quality work is also happening out there. Okay. So for us, another learning has been that if you want to provide support, you know, say at a large scale, as we are trying to do uh, with some of our initiatives, you really have to have a strong structure of quality control that mm-hmm. at no place can you be like, okay, you know, let's just do anything that's better than nothing. You, mm-hmm. you have to trainings and supervisions and make sure that the people who are providing care they are also taken care of and their mental well-being is also you know assessed and managed and supported so that's another learning to kind of keep the quality of intervention high is so much more important now with the awareness increasing Uh, as awareness increases I think that bit will also increase so it's like it's a gradual process I think with anything that suddenly takes a large way I think it yeah it comes with it but we're hoping for it to gradually go down. And that's why I think we've also increased our trainings and our awareness mm. so that, you know, we are able to train as many people uh, in the correct way of practicing and in providing quality care, or at least having that will to learn more before we go out there and start supporting other people. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the counselors and the psychologists that you're reaching out to and you're training, do they then come back to you with any change in the context or maybe they do they come back to you with these questions and from time to time yes i think okay. once they identify that there is support out there um mm-hmm. like i said the intent is always in the right place it's yeah. just the how so once they see that there is access and there is openness they of course mm-hmm. come back and you know some seek supervision some ask for more training some ask for practice mm-hmm. or, or just some conversations around what else can be done more so that does happen as you look ahead maybe a couple of years or maybe a few years down the line mm-hmm. what do you envision for I am well-being and um, what are your hopes and dreams and what is the big picture that you see when you think of the organization yeah I think we were recently talking about this uh, you know my co-founder and I and mm-hmm. uh, so I think how we are also seeing is that we've built all of this and we've worked in the field for a while. I think it's kind of the next most obvious thing to do for us is to put all of this together and see how it can be made into a more formalized training structure. Mm. Because 
So quite frankly, if every mental health professional out there or caregiver out there has the capacity to do what it is that we are doing, then that would just create the ecosystem that we are here set out to create. So Mm. uh, putting this together, uh, maybe through coursework, through trainings, uh, pushing universities to kind of make this a part of curriculum. I think those are the steps that we are going to gradually now move towards so that becomes like a mandatory thing to be trained in trauma therapy and to be be trauma-informed. So that's something that we're going to be now focusing on while keeping our intensive interventions and the individual trauma therapy, the group-based trauma therapy, while continuing with that. Mm-hmm. Something that we're going to be moving towards. Great. And, and what are you hopeful for about this entire space around trauma-informed care? Seeing the changes now and foreseeing what's going to come next, what do you hope from the society in general? What do you hope? How do you hope that they will act? That's a very open-ended question, but yeah. feel free to answer um, as you please. But um, no, I think we what we are experienced, what we have experienced and are going to experience for I think another few months, um, is collective trauma, and uh, so it's like it's already there. So there is a lot of hope in that way that people now understand what it's like um, now that they've been through this experience of, you know, just sitting with themselves and maybe a lot of past things coming up Mm. and seeing how everybody is getting affected by this. Um, And then the constant mental health workforce building more awareness and everybody talking about it. I see a lot of hope in the society to accept this as like I'm hoping this will no longer be a hidden epidemic, but it will be something that people see has to be addressed. Hmm. Uh, so uh, it will take time. It will definitely take time. But it's going to happen is something that we believe. Yeah, hopefully. I think slowly we'll get there. I mean, it's good that we already have these conversations. And, you know, um, sometimes I do feel that these conversations don't go beyond the social space and the development sector. The hope is that through this podcast, we can take it beyond. <laughs> Absolutely. Beyond us just talking about it and, you know, trying to find the solution. Okay, so now we come to the what if question. And um, this question really is something that allows me and hopefully allows all of us to think of ways in which we can come together and probably take a small action. Um, that could just be a conversation with a friend or a family or sharing um, something related to trauma-informed care. So just these small actions which will, you know, help spark that conversation. So the question is, what if we could make trauma-sensitive ecosystem accessible to all children? So the context, of course, is that not all children have the support and um, some of them do come from uh, adverse backgrounds where they are perhaps economically challenged. So if we're able to make this trauma-sensitive ecosystem accessible to all children, how will it help in ensuring that we are raising well-adjusted citizens uh, who are positively contributing to the society? Now, this I have was inspired by what uh, you have as your mission. So Mm-hmm. That's why I've included this. I thought it's it's a very well thought of, very well thought of statement. And when I was going through it, I just thought that okay, that is that is a big big ask from the society, but it's just so well put and it, it connects really well. So yeah, I thought it's nice to have it as part of our conversation. I think to answer that, um, I would like to sort of 
if it's okay just like a short journey of one girl that we came across mm-hmm. if i can share that yeah. um so uh, this is just a girl who you know who be who had gone through definitely more than four aces and uh, she was abandoned by her mother abused by her father and uncle and uh, beaten up physically abused sexually abused and you know all of those things um of course she managed to escape that house and through our system she came to a child care institution wherein she was just giving out whatever she had received so now she was hitting other children and wanting to run away angry with the staff did not trust anyone um and not involving in anything so she became like the villain of that house um of course she came for therapy she was sent to our counselor for therapy who was the in-house counselor over there and uh, after a lot of uh, intensive individual work being made part of group therapy work where there were other children who were like her from a similar background she gradually started to um, integrate into the system and started to accept other people in her life um now adverse childhood experiences the study also showed that having one trusted available adult mm-hmm. can mitigate the impact of adverse childhood experiences so she was able to find that one trusted available adult who was there Hmm. in the ecosystem and gradually she started she allowed us to support her and she hmm. started increasing that circle and you know um she used dance as a way to starting to express herself uh was enrolled in school she did run away but this time she called us and said that okay fine bring me back okay. so there were these little shifts and um as these happened so now there was academic support there were peer relations she started to sort of uh you know choose to stay rather than to run away integrate into doing her work dancing participating and and that's it i think that's 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 where it starts to mm-hmm. have that one trusted available adult now if we create an ecosystem for these children that they can find that one at least one available trusted adult um the trajectory shifts Mm-hmm. so from what she was like a villain in that home she started to become like a hero for her own story started mm-hmm. to take charge of where her life is going rather than it being an automatic response of fear i'm going to fight i'm going to run away i'm going to destroy it started being more that okay fine maybe i need to make friends maybe i need to study a little bit i need to dance and um, this is just you know one example of how there is a shift mm-hmm. and if that's done for children who have been through adverse experiences on a large scale i think that's the shift that we are looking for independent adults wanting to contribute rather than to destroy yeah yeah i think it's very important and that would be it's often i think we just forget even as adults and even i don't know maybe once you are old older and you have the time to think it's it's just I don't I don't know in this whole race to get somewhere be something be somewhere it's even if you have had those adverse childhood experiences and let's say you did not have that available adult whom you could trust your life is probably completely different right now and you don't and it's something that you don't realize and I'm just saying that mm-hmm. I'm just saying that from the perspective of an adult where they may not even realize that that was an adverse experience and they just grew up thinking that that's how life is and that's how my responses yeah. should be that's how my reactions should be and in that you just forget or never think about it yeah. and 
so that yeah it's uh, very very like how how would you think about it? imagine if you're in a jungle and you have a lion chasing you mm. all you would think about is protecting yourself yeah. till you are in a safe place now mm. children who've been through many adverse experiences for them it's like living in that jungle yeah. of course you can't do anything else but to just save yourself mm. so creating that ecosystem is bringing them out of that danger zone and letting them know that they can move freely and choose and do so much more than just wanting to save themselves yeah true i just wish that as as we grow up and as we um, i don't know become more aware of our emotions we are able to educate ourselves on this so that we are we can become those adults in the children's life I also like to include a question about gratitude. Mm-hmm. I believe that it's something that keeps all of us grounded, the practice of being grateful for something or someone or just anything in your life. So, wow, so many things. But uh, <laughs> I think most importantly the protective factors in my life. Um mm-hmm. the trusted available adults that I had while growing up mm-hmm. and still do um I think around me. Uh, that is definitely one strong point that keeps me grounded and grateful mm-hmm. um and uh, i think now if you'll ask me is uh, you know people that i'm connected to my team that is you know supporting the entire organization to sort of build what we are uh, envisioning to do um my therapist <laughs> so mm-hmm. i'm just grateful to the connections that have built that i've built over these years and trying to maintain Mm-hmm. and uh, which has been both therapeutic and supportive and yeah that's what i'm grateful for if you've had an available trusting adult in your life perhaps today is the day to be grateful for them it is also the day to think about those who do not have such protective factors in their lives and why it becomes so much more important for all healthcare to be trauma informed as humans We hope to coexist in harmonious relationships. So let's work towards that with more awareness, kindness and empathy. That's all from us in today's episode. If you know someone who will benefit from our conversation today, do share this episode with them. It is the best way to grow our community of change makers. Also check out what Akanksha and her team are up to on their website or their social channels. All links will be in your episode notes. And as always, feel free to write to us your thoughts, any relatable experiences or just come say hi on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to getting to know you. Our gratitude game is going strong and we hope yours is too. No worries if not. The best part is you can start today. Until next time, take care and stay safe.